Okay. So we are holding here in Chelek Aleph, Perik Beis. So now the, the Ramchal is going to discuss the purpose of creation, right? So people have been wondering the purpose of creation since the dawn of time, right? And Baruch Hashem is Yidim, we're Zeichet to know exactly what the purpose of creation is and, and, and why, why we are, why we're here, right? So the Ramchal is going to speak about that. So he says, Hine, Tachos Bibriya, Says the the tachlis, the goal of creation was for the Abishter to give of his goodness to another entity. So last week we spoke about the concept of Tzimtzum and how by Kosh Baruch Hu hiding his existence, he created a conceptual space where somebody else can perceive themselves as being separate from a Kosh Baruch Hu. Now, if step one is for Kosh Baruch Hu to create the ability for someone to feel as if they are separate from him, and they are a distinct entity, now the goal is to give to that being or that entity the utmost toiv that he can possibly give to another person. It's so, similar to a parent and a child. Yes. In fact, it's very interesting that, that, that at the very crux of it, so let, let's talk about that for a second, right? Um, we know Akkosh Baruch Hu does not have any emotions, um, and we know that emotions is purely a humanistic... Doesn't he get angry? angry, angry. So good. So, well, give me a second. So we know that, that emotions are purely a humanistic trait, um, but we do find many expressions of anger, of emotions, pardon me, not just anger, what about Yismach Hashem Masav, right? Kodesh Baruch Hu sometimes is happy with us, he's pleased with us. Right. We know the Korbanas are L'Riach Nichayach, they make a Kodesh Baruch Hu pleased. We know Kel Kana, Kodesh Baruch Hu is a jealous God, and he wants the Jewish people for him and not for, for others. Like you said, V'charon Api, Mahu, right? His anger flares on that day, right? So how do we understand all these emotions, and once I explain that, then I'll get back to my point I was trying to get to about, that you asked about, about, about an Av, um, and then to tie that, tie that back in here. I think it, I think it is a chashva point to, to, to discuss. So we have to understand, and we're going to discuss this more when we get later into the Sefer, that everything that exists in the physical world really is a muscle for things that exist in the higher worlds. What do I mean by higher worlds and lower worlds? We really discussed that last week, that we know that when a Kosh created the symptom, he created layers of covering himself. Less layers is what we would call a place that's higher in Shemayim. And if there's great, greater layers covering a Kosh it's lower on Shemayim. And the ultimate level of covering, as we discussed last week, is Olam Hazah that we live in. This world, Olam Hazah, really is a reflection of the worlds that are above us, because it's the same Shefa, it's the same... Um, divine energies, which make their way down through all these various layers. The mushal, like we gave in the mushal last week, you had a king that was so perfect and so beautiful, so we put, they put up a, um, a mirror, not a mirror, they put up a, a lens in front of him because people couldn't stare directly at his face. Some people couldn't handle staring through that lens, so more lenses and more lenses, right? It's the same king being refracted through all the various lenses. So too, all the various kaychas of Shemaim that Kosh Baruch Hu uses to run the world are refracted through the different layers of the Olamas till they crystallize in this world. So this world really is a mirror image of everything which stands on top of it. So everything in this world, the etzem, is really a mushal, and the nimshal really is much more the kaychas in Shemaim. We'll talk about this much more again, the same in more depth. But Kosh Baruch Hu, we also discussed, is that he is perfect in himself. And when we describe different midas or different traits to a Kosh Baruch Hu, that is not a Kosh Baruch Hu himself, but rather in the way that he relates to us. When a Kosh Baruch Hu uses chesed for us or din, that is not an attribute of a Kosh Baruch Hu himself, rather that is in the way a Kosh Baruch Hu relates to us. So if this world is a mushal to what's in the higher world, really it's a mushal to various midas that a Kosh Baruch Hu uses in dealing with the world. Some of those traits are the emotional traits that we find in a human being, are mashalim to the way a Kosh Baruch Hu 
relates to us. For example, Simcha. Ramchal speaks about in Das Tfunis. That Simcha is when you feel there's a Shlemis with something. So Yismach Hashem B'masav is that when a Kosh Baruch Hu feels the world, not feels in our emotional sense, but when the world is reflecting His divine goodness, right? So Mamela, everything is, is going according to His Tachlis. So then there's going to be Simcha. Right? And when he's happy with it, with, when we're doing what we want to, and we're, and we're helping Hashem achieve the, the goals in, in creation. So then, there, so then that, that's going to be a sense of, of simcha. The same thing also, kinah, right? Of a Baruch Hu is, is jealous. It means that the Jewish people's goal is to be the Am, to bring out a Kosh Baruch Hu's oneness in the world. And therefore, if we're doing something else, that is a form of jealousy, right? Like, you know, example, jealousy you find by a husband to a wife. If a wife were to, to, to do something inappropriate with another person, there's jealousy. Why? Because there's a sense that the wife and the husband are a singular unit, and part of that unit is straying away. So, Kosh Baruch Hu's of Kina is a muscle to the idea that the Jewish people are meant to be the ones that are miyuchet to bring him, him, his reality, out into the world. And when we stray to what is our, in fact, the Psukim called that oftentimes, Znus, or Arias, right? It's not Arias, the Vodazara. What's, what's the shot? Terence is that, is that we are Hashem's nation that, the, that He is going to use to bring Himself out on this world, and there's a special bond to Nasr Akash Baruch Hu. The Mela, that Midah that He uses is Kina, right? Now, the emotion of jealousy is a human emotion. The Midah in Shemaim, though, of Kina is the Midah. The emotion in this world is the muscle, right? To Akash Baruch Hu's Midah of maintaining the Jewish people being exclusively for Him. But even as far as the Kosh Baruch's relations and his mitas, there's no emotion, he's not angry, he's not upset, there's no flaring, face doesn't turn red, right? Those are all humanistic characteristics. But everything in this world, like we said, is a mirror image, because it's a crystallization of the, of the Kaychas and Shemaim coming to this world. So whatever you see down here really is a mirror image of what's in Shemaim, and therefore we can view it as a muscle, a parable to what exists up in Shemaim. So even human traits that we have really are mashalim to the way a Kosh Baruch who relates to the Jewish people. Again, they are not a Kosh Baruch Hu himself, but rather the way that he relates to us, his, his midos, right? So, so if we're selling Malachim and we're supposed to copy Hashem's midos, then what, what is that? Well, that's, that's, we'll, we'll have to discuss that at some point. Also, you are, you know, even, let, let, let's just give a physical, okay. let's give, no, 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 let's give a, let's, 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 no, no, let, go, let's give a physical, let's give a physical muscle, right? So the, the Navi says, um, for my flesh, I will, I will perceive HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Your body is made up in a way which actually mirrors the way that the spiritual worlds are made up. You have a head, and in your head you have a right brain and a left brain. You have a neck, you have arms, you have legs. Um, and that mirrors the midas that Kodesh Baruch Hu uses to run the world. So to go and use that taboo word that you know we'll get to at one point, but the concept of spheres, the spheres of Kodesh Baruch Hu, we're not going to talk about that. We'll have to find them now. It's the whole schmooze in its own right, and we've veered far off topic. But 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 spheres represent Hashem's midas, how He relates to the world. So the spheres correspond to different parts of the body. In Shemaim, there is the plan for the creation that represents the brain of the human being. There is the element in Shemaim where Kodesh Baruch Hu takes the plan and and transfers it into action. That's the neck, which is the bridge between the brain and the body. There's the actual midas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chesed, Kivura, Tiferes, that corresponds to different parts of the human being. His arms, his legs, in which we actually interface with the world. And then there's, the, there's what we call Malchus, the keva, which is the female, the one who receives all of the hashba from the male. So yes, our physical form actually is a mirror image in the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. Even, even our... Our, 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 our flesh and blood, our, our biological form, is in the image of the way Akash Baruch Hu runs the world. We'll discuss that more in depth later. But even the psychological realm of what makes up a human being also is in the mirror image of the way Akash Baruch Hu 
creates the world. The person really is a, a microcosm of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Bria, and the human being, if you look at the form of the human being, both his emotional plane and his physical plane, you would be able to have as a blueprint or a map to understand how Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the world, and that is what the Tzalem Elokim was, and he made us to be this microcosm of the entire Bria itself, right? Basic Mikdash also, right? All the various rooms of Basic Mikdash correspond, unfortunately, to different parts of the human being, and they correspond to different parts in... Shemayim, right? So again, basically, there was also a microcosm of the entire Bria. It was a microcosm of the human being also, right? So the, 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 these concepts go, but anyway, when we talk about anything, any emotion in the physical world or any relation in the physical world, it is really a muscle to how things work in Shemaim, the way Akash Baruch Hu relates to us. So going back to what we started with, a father to a child is the greatest emotion or, or muscle in the physical world to the relationship of the inception of creation. Why? Because the Kosh Baruch Hu created us. And in that sense, he gave us a, a muscle in this world called Kibbut Aveim. And Kibbut Aveim, interesting enough, on the, on the Aserz Dibris, lines up somewhere between Ben Adam L'Chavero and Ben Adam L'Makum, right? Why is that? It, technically, it's Ben Adam L'Chavero because you're dealing with a, a human being, another person, your father, right? But at the same time, though, it has an element of Ben Adam L'Makum because the ultimate chinuch and how to relate to a Kosh Baruch Hu, we, as, as people, are very hard for us to relate to a reality which we can't touch and we can't see and we can't feel. Like you know, we discussed in previous times, that is the way that our seichel works, is that we take in data from this world as our brain processes. To then extrapolate to a Kosh Baruch Hu, which is this ethereal concept, this oneness, something we don't really have a grasp on, is very difficult. So Kosh Baruch Hu gave us a mitzvah where we are supposed to realize that we didn't just parachute. We didn't just pop out of the box, but somebody created us, and somebody changed our diapers, and somebody taught us, and somebody physically supported us, right? Both in physicality, your parents, and in spirituality, your Rebbe, right? And gave us a mitzvah to honor and to fear them. And through that relationship, through that muscle in this world, that gives us a means on how to connect properly to a Kodesh Baruch Hu and make the leap from a father of flesh and blood to a father which is devoid of, of, of any trait which is physical. Right? So yes, the father's relationship at its core is a muscle or a mirror image to a Kosh Baruch Hu creating the world. And just like you find altruism by a parent, you know, the, uh, unless if a parent is psychologically unhealthy, generally parents are willing to sacrifice anything for their children. And the reason for that at its core is because a parent, deep down in his psyche, views a child as being his hemshech. He views a child as being the continuity that he has in the physical world. So therefore, he sees an element of himself and the children, right? Kodesh Baruch Hu, the, to some degree, again, devoid of any human um, traits, but to some degree also, that, that the Jewish people very much so are a Kodesh Baruch Hu's hemshech in the world. Like we just read the one line so far in Derech Hashem, the goal of a Kodesh Baruch Hu creating the world was to give to mankind. The way that he's going to accomplish that is through Kla Yisrael. And in that sense, Kla Yisrael therefore achieves the objectives of his desire to give. In that sense, Hashem calls us You are children to Kosh Baruch Hu. There's a sense of self that is placed Again, all this is Mashalim because the Kosh Baruch Hu ultimately doesn't need anything. We'll talk about that in a second. But there's a sense of self that's placed in the Jewish people, which is why we're referred to as a Kosh Baruch Hu's Banim. Just like a child very much so is viewed as the continuation of self of a parent, Klai Yisrael is viewed as the continuation of a Kosh Baruch Hu. Not continuation, but is viewed as a way a Kosh Baruch Hu is able to, to, to manifest his goals in the, in, in the Bria, right? And the Goyimur uh, means... Uh, hey, we'll get to the Goyimur. Wait, 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 wait,
all of their echos are on one foot. You know, there are many chapters. We're gonna we're gonna get to no no no. We're gonna get to the guy. We're gonna get to no. It's discussed. You know, but the beauty of their Hashem is that it's it's a methodical system. And Amir Hashem, well, we're gonna we're we're gonna we'll get to the, we'll get to the guy. Don't worry. But um, but but just step one is that we know that the, that just like a parent to a child is a good muscle you brought up. So to Kosh Baruch creation of the world has this level of altruism. He did it purely to give to to to, 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 to give to somebody else. Um, just complete thought. Um, but but I just want to clarify one thing though that when we talk about the idea that a Baruch Hu wanted to give to somebody else, this suggests that a Baruch Hu has needs. Right. That's what we're going to ask. Good. This is just a Baruch Hu. For us, you were just saying that. It is our need for continuity, right? There's some, yeah, that's a need of right. us. Right, yes. So yes. let's discuss that briefly. Okay. So, so the, the, we spoke about in the previous paragraph, the uh, Peric, that Akash Baruch Hu does not have needs. In fact, he's perfect in every form of perfection. Good. If that's what you ask, it was perfect. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just wanted to finish the thought, right? Good. And every form of perfection. So how could it be Akash Baruch Hu needs to give to somebody else? What does that even mean, right? Okay. So the Mukubalim discuss that, and they speak about the idea that really when we discuss Akash Baruch Hu, anything that's in the Kabbalah or anything which is, you know, our Masera on how um, the, the spiritual worlds work, we don't ever discuss the Kodesh Baruch Hu directly like we spoke in the beginning. That is what we, even, even that name itself, that's what we refer to as the Ein Sof, something beyond understanding. We only deal from the initial Ratzin of a Kodesh Baruch Hu and onward. What came before the Ratzin really falls in line with that Gemara and Chagiga we discussed um, last week, which is that it's it's also about Chakira and Drisha. You're not allowed to think, you know, what came before that Ratzin. Why not? And we discussed last time. It's not because of the secret. It's just because your brain couldn't understand it anyway. Yes, in our world, if, if you're giving, if you're doing something to, to want to be a giver, it means there's something lacking by you. By a Baruch perfection, it's not true. That's just something that our brain can't be toifes or can't understand. And therefore, whenever we discuss the unfolding of the Bria, we're talking from the moment of this Ratzin and onward. Right? It's a difficult concept because the person, I want to know, well, what about before the Ratzin, right? We have to, we have to, we have to, we have to work on the idea that, that, that there are just elements of Kodesh Baruch Hu, like we spoke about last week, that like we're just incapable of understanding. It's not that it's a secret. It's, it's beyond our ability to understand and therefore we don't even attempt it, right? Um, and if we do attempt it, eventually we're going to go crazy. So, so whenever we discuss about Kodesh Baruch Hu and his plan for the world and his goals, it's after this Ratzin was already this will to give was already created. Now, to go back from that will and understand what the thought process was before that is beyond us. I mean, people also wonder, well, like, why all of a sudden now did he decide? Well, HaKadosh Baruch lives beyond the realm of time. There is no time. He's a singular existence, right? It's not the, the shot that he at some point decided, hey, oh, he's waiting around. When, well, you know what? I, I think today I want to I create man and give to them, right? That's a full statement because by HaKadosh Baruch like we discussed in last week, he's an echad. He's a singular existence. There is no time. There, there's no such concept. There's no existence outside. Time itself is is a barrier. Time is a form of, is, is a created thing, right? Time is actually perceiving an order of events once you have a world which is broken down into parts and into pieces. Once you have parts and pieces, you can say what came first and what came second. If you have a world with no parts and pieces, there's no order of events. By definition, there is no, there is no, there is no time. So Kuro didn't wake up one day and decide to create the world. And how do we understand that world? We can't, because we don't understand a world without time, without order of and sequence of events. Because like we spoke about last week, we live in a world of parts and pieces, and that's how our brain processes information. All we know is he wanted to create man, and that Rutzen was created. From that Rutzen onward, that's where the Chochmah Kabbalah can start to understand. What preceded that Rutzen? Beyond the framework of what we can we, we can we can grasp, right? Is that, does that clarify? Okay. So, but but at its core, though, we do know that Akush Baruch whose relation to us is is purely altruistic. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, the Rishiva has been speaking about this a lot recently. That um, when when the difference between Judaism and the Ovdei Bodezara and the other religions, 
um, at its core, you know, is, is this philosophy of understanding um, what is a Kodesh Baruch or what does God want from the world? Right? If you look at the Eved Devot um, all the mythology, everything there, you know, there are a bunch of people that have um, a bunch of psychological problems and all these needs, and this God wants honor, and this God wants taiva, and this God wants this, and this God wants that, you know, and and even 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 Islam, if you you know if you look, everything is you know, uh, God's emotional and he does things on a whim, just like people do things on a whim, and therefore you can't understand God, you know. There's always something that God is trying to get out of the picture. So the Ovdevodazara, what's their relationship to the God? Well, it's like a mafia boss. We know that God's got insecurities. And we know that if we feed those insecurities and make him feel good about himself, he'll be happy with us. And then he'll pay off what we need. So I need fertility. So I go to the God of fertility and he wants X, Y, and Z sacrifice and us to bow down and say, you're the greatest, you're the greatest. And then all of a sudden, my wife will have children. So, so that, that, that's, that's how it works with the Evdeh Avodah right? Judaism doesn't function that way at all. Kosh doesn't need you at all. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to get anything out of you. There is no kicks. Like Durham Khal said, the sole reason he created the world was to give to somebody else. It's not like you appease him and you walk away and you get what you want. You paid off the shaykhad to the mafia boss and now you get what you want. Kodesh Baruch Hu wants a person, we're going to discuss in a second, to give him olam haba, which is having a connection to Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's not a one-time event and there's nothing that he needs to get out of it, right? So it, it's a relationship he wants to form for our own good. At the core and the crux of Judaism is that everything a Kodesh Baruch Hu does is for our benefit and for him not to receive anything back in return at all. And, and, and if you think about it, you know, it, it's in one sense, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that it gives a bitachan and a trust in a Kodesh Baruch Hu that he has our best um, our best in mind and that he's willing to give us the ultimate goodness that can be bestowed and that should create a sense of a person wanting to give back to Gosh Baruch Hu, and to love him and to want and, and, and to want to do whatever we can to go along with what he likes because ultimately he's our benefactor it also means that we're not just appeasing a Gosh Baruch Hu and going on and living our life in a vacuum but we have to live a life of dveikas and connection to Gosh Baruch Hu, right and Avedah to Hashem is not just Getting something out of him. It's it's having a relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu. And that goes back to the the, to the the crux of the Bria is the Kosh Baruch Hu created the world to have this relationship to us, to give to us, right? To be connected to us. And and that is the Avaita that the that, that, that he has. So I mean it's you know it's a beautiful thing. You wonder why do we run around doing the mitzvahs? Why do you create this whole elaborate world around us? And the answer is out of love. And and it should be a big motivator for for us and and and, and, and to cause us to wanna to wanna to want to cleave to him. So anyway, at the yes. Sure, please. Um Uh, it says in Das Tzunubos that when Hashem created the world, right, he, he had to restrain uh, the emanation in order uh, to have a lack of perfection in the world, which allowed... Yes. Is that what allowed the, the, the creation of an other? Well... Of the, of the, the appearance well, the, in the... the to the some degree, that's the... the well, okay, so the shurish, the shurish of the Bria is the symptom which ultimately is a Kosh Baruch Hu withholding himself from being mashpia to allow room for somebody else, as that symptom makes its way throughout the Olamas and eventually allows for the world of, that we live to be imperfect and to allow us with our free will to be mashlam the Bria, right? So what you're referring to probably is lower on the totem pole, but yes, ultimately the shurish, or the root of it, is the initial symptom. We're going to talk about this idea how we perfect the world coming right, soon. It says in that book that there was enough of uh, an emanation that the tapas of the world will eventually become perfect. Right, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. They can't, can't, can't jump. We're already, we're just at the creation of the world right now. We'll get there, we're gonna, right? Step by step, yeah. But it's kind of like if, if, if the goal is, is perfection, 
What's the need to have infrastructure? We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, you have to let, let the Ramchal go step by step. You have, you have, to, you have to go step by step. Chochmah only can be achieved step by step, right? That the way Chochmah works is that you have a foundation, and from the foundation, you build, and you build another layer of understanding, another layer, and you can refine it all the way down to being fine flour, right? But it has to start with the, with the, right? with, with the firm foundation. You build a building, the bottom has to be solid, right? So Ramchal is going to build it. By the time we get to the answer, you won't even have a question anymore. That, that's the, the goal. But we have to let it work step by step. If we answer every question that we have about the Bria from the get-go, then we're not building with Chochmah. We, we, we have to start with the foundation. But he's going to get it. It's a good question, and he's, he's going to get there. Really, what you're touching on is the concept of why we have the Chira. We will, we will, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. So at the core of the Bria, Kosh Baruch Hu created the world to give to another. Vihine Tires. Now we're going to discuss the perplexity Kosh Baruch Hu had, and how do you do that? So, we discussed in the first parak, Kosh Baruch Hu is the only true perfection that exists that is devoid of any fault. And there is no other perfection outside of him. So, step one, Kosh Baruch Hu has to give to man. So, what's he going to give and how is he going to give it? Well, Kosh Baruch Hu has to give something which is perfect. What's perfect? Well, we just discussed in the previous parak, the only thing that's perfect is HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. So, Chavar, can we follow the math now? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect, that means his giving is going to have to be perfect. And if he's giving has to be perfect, he has to give the only thing which is perfect. And the only thing that's perfect is himself, so it would come out that what's he giving? Himself. himself. Okay, how do you do that? Well, keep reading. V'nimsa shakol shleimish yudmeh, any other shleimish you can imagine, Right? It's not true shleimus, right? So you look at a, a, a Tesla and you say, wow, what a piece of perfect engineering. Unbelievable, right? Compare the Kosh Baruch Hu it's garnished, right? Okay, Because like we said in the last parak, anything in the physical world by definition is fundamentally flawed because it is made out of parts and pieces. Like Kosh Baruch Hu is, is, is a singularity. So it's, there's perfection by Kosh Baruch Hu you don't find anywhere else. So where can you find Shlemus? Elosh Yikra Shlemus. Rather, when we look at that, we call it Shlemus. Be'erach Inyan Chasri Menus. So we want to compare that to my 2002 um, Toyota Corolla. That's the second reference now to my, uh, my Yeshiva's car, right? So we want to, on Sunday mornings I get to drive it. During the week I drive carpool. On Sunday mornings I get to remember my roots, you know? Um, so when I want to compare the Tesla to my 2002 Corolla, it's like I say, ah, perfection, right? Yeah. But in an ultimate sense, the Tesla is not at all perfection because the only perfection that can exist is by Kosh Baruch Hu. Yeah. The only true Shlemus is by Hashem. So step number one, true perfection only exists to a Kosh Baruch Hu. The Al Kane, and therefore, when a Kosh Baruch Hu's will was to give to another, it would not have worked for him to only give a partial good. Why not? Because he's perfect. So if he's perfect, his giving has to be perfect. Rather, his, he, he, can only, he can only satisfy or be befitting for Kosh Baruch Hu to give the ultimate goodness that a created being has the ability to accept. Notice that he's saying that even a Kosh Baruch Hu is giving to man, even though a Kosh Baruch Hu is perfect, there will always be some level of imperfection in the giving. We'll discuss that in a second. The, the Sefer of Ramchal is meant for Diak, right? Notice the way he says it. Tachlis he's going to give the, the, the greatest good, which is possible for a created being to accept. Mashma, that what? It's not possible for it to be totally perfect, but almost all the way perfect. And since the Kosh Baruch Hu is the only true Tov, 
His desire to give good would not have been fulfilled. He would give his own tov. Like you guys work through the steps. A tov that comes from Hashem himself. That is the true form of tov. So now we have a problem. Right? Koshmach wants to give. He's perfect. His giving has to be perfect. And therefore the only thing that he can give that's perfection is himself. How does the Koshmach give himself? How's it going to package a bottled water that's like Kodesh Baruch Hu and give it to us, right? How's that going to work, right? Yud Beis. I don't know if it's Yud Beis, no, part, next part. He named Mitzar Acher, says Ramchal, on the other angle, Ha-Tov You can only find this Tov by a Kodesh Baruch Because like we discussed, any other form of Shleimus or Tov is only going to be a borrowed terminology in comparison to Kodesh Baruch So you can only find this goodness, this perfection in Hashem. Al-Kain, therefore, how does Hashem solve the problem? Gazra chachmasa yizbarach. Right, Hashem's chachmasa, I added a word there. Shemitziyas atava amitis azois. That the, that the truth of this giving, that he was going to give, he's going to give a place for this created being to be mizdabek, to be connected to, to Hashem. So again, Akash Baruch cannot package himself and give himself outside of himself because that wouldn't be himself. So the only thing he can do is allow for the created being, i.e. the future man, to have a place to be connected to him, and through that connection, for mankind to perceive as much of a revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as possible, right, um, in order for man to, to appreciate the shlemus and the goodness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that sense of connection and the, and the window of perception, which we'll have by, by, by having that connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will be the ultimate bliss that a human can have. It will be the ultimate simcha, and it will be the ultimate goodness that we can have just by having a window into the reality of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Now, why the Ramchal, again, he says again, but also Asher to the amount that mankind is able to mizdabek to him. Seemingly, again, the same diak as before, that this dveikas cannot be absolutely perfect. So, 10 points, anybody, why not? Because the only thing that's perfect is Hashem. Right, okay, but we're going to perceive that. So, right, so that, that's the goal. He said there's something he withheld by creating the Simpsons, so there's got to be something that... And, and, wh- and why can't he take the barrier down all the way? We'd lose ourselves. We'd lose our... Right, that's what you're at. We'd lose ourselves, right? We would cease to exist. Right. If we were totally exposed to Kosh Baruch Hu's singular oneness, by definition, from that vantage point, we would be a Kosh Baruch Hu, right? How do you see that a Kosh Baruch Hu is one without anything outside of him and still there be a me to perceive that? If there's still a me which is perceiving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by definition, I'm not getting the full picture. Because in an ultimate reality, if we would remove the curtain of the tzimtzum all the way, then we would not be here, right? And the whole point of creation is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to give to another entity. So by definition, that curtain is going to have to always be there. Now, the veil can get thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner infinitesimally, and we can perceive more and more and more of a Kodesh Baruch Hu Where do you find this concept? In, in the number system, right? I, as a kid, I, I math, I, I hated math, partially because I don't have a brain for, for Chazbenes, right? For, for mathematical Chazbenes, but partially also because I needed a good lumbus, and none of the math teachers ever gave you a good lumbus. This is the absolute value. What does that mean? It's just when you put two lines around the thing, and then, then you take the negative away, so that's, that's the absolute value. That didn't help me so much, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I was always perplexed with the idea. What does that mean in a number line? You can have 0. 0.1, 0.11, 0.11, right? And you put that infinity sign that a number approaches toward infinity, right? It's a hard, hard concept. But you do find such a music like that, that yes, we can, in Olam Haba, have a connection to Gosh Baruch Hu. The veil could become thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner, approaching an infinite scale. And Olam Haba is something which will last forever and will never get boring. Because why? 
there is this the ability for Kosh Baruch Hu to infinitesimally bring us closer and closer and closer without totally destroying the veil in our sense of self. So Olam Haba... Olam Haba is still, there's, you're saying there's a curtain. There has to be, yeah. by definition. Right. And the Ramchal was medayik that way two times. To the ability for mankind, the shiur, the measure, it's, it's the thinnest possible, and you will get the, the best view you can possibly get. If you want to get an even better view... Do more Torah mitzvahs, and that's going to help the, the perspective Nobody of that. We'll talk about that later in the Sefer also. So that's all, that's all, you know. Is this a, a true statement? Nobody will ever get closer than Moshe Rabbeinu? Or is this an no, Moshe Rabbeinu was Olam Haza. Olam Haba, we know, we, nobody knows what's going on in Olam Haba. Olam Haba is a world beyond our, our, where the veil is that thin. Human intellect does not, from the framework of this world, have the ability to process it. Ayn um, Rasa, the Chazal and the Pasuk tell us that no one, no, no eye is able to perceive it. In fact, it's an interesting thing that we find, the Maharal speaks about this, why isn't Olam Haba written in the Torah? Is that question about in Olam Haba and Olam Hazat? He, 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 he asked in general, does, is Moshe Rabbeinu the one who will be the closest to Kodesh Baruch So I, I was... Olam Haba, right? right, right. So he, he asked that. So he asked that. So he asked that. So I, I told him, for sure we know that in Olam Haza, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one at this point in, in human history, you know, barring Melch Mashiach, we'll, we'll see, um, who had the greatest connection to Kodesh Baruch Hu within this world, you have what's called Aspaklar Mi'ira, but that, that's not about Olam Haba itself. What exactly is going to be Olam Haba and how precisely it's, it's going to work and who's going to be on the top, and etc. You know, the, we can understand to some degree with Chochmah, but Olam Haba is something which we cannot have a grasp on in this world, and that's why it says Ayin, Ayin Lerasa. So this framework of Olam Haba where we will, and again, we also will exist to some degree with a body over there. It will not be a, a physical world. The body will become purified to the point where the body will not be physical and you won't have physical desires, right? But at the same time, there will be this element of the Shama and Guf, however that works in such a way where it's a spiritual world, right? Mm-hmm. The, the body will purify and the Shama will primarily take over and the, and the body will become subservient to the Shama. And, and, you know, I mean, I guess the best muscle in this world would be, if you can imagine the physicality of this world becoming more translucent, right? Again, it's a muscle. It's not, it's not, there's, mm-hmm. there's no time, there's no space, there's no place right. up there, right? But, but just the idea that, that, that the, the coarseness of the physical will be absolutely purified and the Shama will take over the body and, and, and imbue it um, with pure ruchnius, right? Um, but that, that's, that's the state of Olam Haba. But to know exactly what's going on up there, it's really, it's beyond our, our grasp. So the Maral is a very interesting point he makes that we find, we don't find in the Torah ever straight out the concept of Olam Haba. Right? You know what? Right, right? And it says Al Haaretz, which could be interpreted in Shat as referring to Eretzrael, Labdafka, right? And that left a lot of space for the Apikorsim and the Minim to say that there is no Olam Haba, right? So the Maral speaks of the idea. Why, why is that? Why? Why? Right? Straight out, you know, there'll be a spiritual world where you'll exist forever, right? So, you, so the Maral says is because we have to understand there's a chilub between Nevoah and Chachmah, right? We know Chazal say that a Chacham is Adif Minavi. A, a, a wise person is better than a prophet. What does that mean? A prophet? We'll, we'll discuss prophecy. No questions. We're going to get there. We'll discuss prophecy. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. We'll discuss, pro- we'll discuss prophecy, right? So a prophet is a person that, that leaves his physical body and, and, and is able to cleave to Kosh Baruch in one of these higher worlds and be revealed revelations from Hashem. A Chacham is a person in this world with a Sefer who is using his intellect to kind of like figure out what's going on up there. So the Maral explains the following, that Nevuah is a, a, um, an experiential um, faculty. That the Navi is transcending his body and experiencing a Kodesh Baruch Hu from the vantage point where there's less of a curtain, right? Higher up in, the, in Shemaim, what we call higher in the Olamas, right? Mm-hmm. And he's seeing something. So the vision that he sees, there's no vision up there in Shemaim. The vision is purely a muscle 
to clothe the information that he's getting in this world, almost like a dream, right? When you have a dream, there's a storyline, right? But if you want to get to the psychological point of the dream, or if the dream carries actually some spiritual meaning, you have to declothe the external dressing or the lavush or the clothing of the dream and come to understand what was the internal message that's there. And the dream really is a parable. Now, we know not every dream is a perfect parable because I'll say there's a lot of nonsense in the dream also. But if we would filter out the nonsense and take the vision and we would take the vision and extrapolate out from, from the vision what was the information that was given. So to the Navi is given an, a, a Mara Nevoa but that Mara Nevoa you don't see in Shemaim. That, that's that's what's cycling through his brain in this world to give him a sense to hold it to it. And he's given a pisrin. He's giving the explanation of the Mara Nevoa. But what he's doing is experiencing a Kosh reality on a higher world when that experience is retaken back into his brain in the physical world so that it has to be clothed in some kind of a vision in order for his bodily brain to grasp the idea. But really what he's doing is he's seeing a true reality. He's experiencing a true reality. It's almost like when a scientist takes a slide with a bacteria and puts it underneath the microscope, he looks directly at the, the bacteria and he's observing the bacteria itself. It's, it's experiential, right? Okay, good. What's a chacham do? A chacham is able, without seeing something, to extrapolate to the world that he doesn't know. So I know things in my world and we use, a chacham uses mashalam. Shlomo Melech was the chacham we call Adam and he wrote a sefer called Mishlei. Why? Mishle uses mashalim to, in order to extrapolate. Well, I know facts X, Y, and Z, and that allows me to deduce A, B, and C from what I know down here. That's precisely what a mashal is. Like we, I gave a mashal for a mashal in the previous week. That, like the mashal I gave you, that imagine a person doesn't know what honey is, but he knows tree sap and sugar. Well, you know tree sap and sugar. Put the two of them together, and that's honey, right? So it took from the world that he... He, he does know to extrapolate into the world that he doesn't know, right? That's what a chacham does. So if we put that into the scientific experience, instead of it being like looking at a microscope directly at a, at a, at a bacteria, it would be looking at some biological events in the cells and knowing there's something going on there that is too small for me to see with a microscope. But because I'm seeing all of these signs, I can extrapolate that really this must be what exists, right? That's what all these scientists do when they, when they, when they work on, on subatomic particles, right? They can't see these subatomic particles, but they see the way all these various um, 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 compounds um, react in certain circumstances, and therefore they say there must be some subatomic particle that looks like X, Y, and Z that will produce this. So from the information they do have, they're able to extrapolate to the world which they don't have, right? So in one sense, a Navi is much more powerful. The Navi is seeing Kubiachal, a Kodesh Baruch Hu to some degree, and therefore he's given information about the past and the present and the future that nobody in this world knows, and he's able to bring messages from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and he's able to see what's going to be in the future, and he's able to write down all these things because he's perceiving a Kodesh Baruch Hu clearly, like the scientist looking at the bacteria. But there's a limitation. Things which he can't perceive, he can't understand. A Chacham isn't perceiving anything. He's living in this world. There's no spiritual revelation to him whatsoever. But the Chacham is taking the information he has and he's able to extrapolate to the world that he doesn't know. The, the Pasuk says about Olam Haba, Ayin Lo Rasa. Pasuk Chazai for Ayin Lo Rasa, right? No eye has ever seen Olam Haba. Olam Haba is beyond our ability to understand because again, the veil is going to be so thin that in this world we can't understand it. It is not something a Navi can see. It's not something a Navi can see. But a Chacham with a Messiah can extrapolate from what's down here and understand what's going on up there. Now, clearly, when a Navi sees something, it's a much clearer understanding. It's like looking at the thing. A Chacham doesn't see anything, but from what he understands, he's able to extrapolate onward. So in some sense, a Chacham is better than a, a Navi. In the other sense, right, so two people want to know the future, the Chacham can look at what's on the ground now and say, oh, I see these factors are going to line up. X, Y, and Z is going to happen. 
the Navi, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him what's going to happen. Clearly the Navi has a much better vision on it than the Chacham does. But there are areas where the Navi can't see because it's not shaykh for a human being to see these things because it's so far out of the realm of his own existence. That's where the Chacham is Adif bin Nevuah. So the Maral says the reason why the Torah never mentions Nevuah, never Olam Abba, is because the Torah was written through the vantage point of Nevuah. And Nevuah cannot see Olam Abba, right? So when we talk about this idea that we'll be in a place where the veil will be very thin, and we'll have this connection to Akash Baruch Hu with the utmost connection, and Akash Baruch Hu will, will continually thin the veil more and more and more, allowing us to have more bliss and connection to Akash Baruch Hu. That is something which, from the framework of this world, we totally cannot comprehend. Ad Kach the Navi couldn't even get a glance at it, and that's why it's not even written in the, in the Torah. So we ask who's bigger up there, this and that. In Chachma, we can have certain Klolim, but to fully understand how it's going to work, we, we can't. You know, we're going to have just have to wait till it, uh, till it comes, right? The generalities and some of the principles. We can understand, but the specifics, since you can't look at it, you can't fully understand it. You, 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 you're, I think it's a very, very cautious report. All right, let's just, a, a, a little bit, a little bit, what are we holding here? Okay, a little, a little bit lighter, a little bit. So I just want to finish this thought. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, yeah? The concept of bigger in Olam Abba is not... Of what, I'm for, sorry? The concept of bigger, this question, who's bigger? The concept of bigger in Olam Abba is not, oh, he's bigger than I am, it's, I could have been bigger. Right. I mean, I guess, I guess the question is whose lens is going to have the clearest lens on... on, 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 on. Sorry, what did you, what's the difference? No, there's, there's no, there's no kina. There, there's just, you'll see someone, something bigger, but you won't think, oh, he's bigger than me. You'll think, I could have been bigger. So it's interesting, actually. I, I saw recently on a note on an Efshachayim someone brought from Rebellia Weintraub. Rebellia Weintraub was, um, and, and the recent Darius, one of the biggest Mekubalim that we had, um, is a big Talmud Chochem, and, and Nigla also very Mekubal in the, in the, in the, in the Litzvah world, the yeshivas. But that's how you know when a person's real, right? When, when, when older yeshivas are machs of somebody, that means he's real. When he runs around in a cave and gives you a red string and wants a big donation, that's when you can, you can bank on the fact that, uh, that uh, this is not authentic. So Rebellia Weintraub was, was huge. He was actually, actually born in America. Um, and and he in Bnei Brak gave a lot. You know, he was known as a big mukobel. So I saw a note from him recently in the footnote note of Nefshachayim where he writes over there. The Chazal say that a person is nichpe mechupaso shalchaver. A person is burnt from his friend's canopy in Olam Abba. And he writes exactly what Ephraim was saying. He writes over there. It's not the pshat that if somebody was endowed with more ability than you and they learned more Torah that you'll be jealous. That's ridiculous because the, the, the you know the Koshbar who made you made him and you have to be the best that you can be. Where that chazal means that you'll be burnt from your friend's canopy is that, you know, so-and-so was able to actualize his potential in the fullest, and therefore his lens on Olam Haba is going to be clear, right? That's where there would be any level of discomfort in Olam Haba, is the sense that I, I, I could have done more with what I was given. So we should never measure ourselves up to somebody else and be jealous of somebody else because that's ridiculous. We should measure ourselves up on our own scale, are we doing what we can do, right? That's precisely your, precisely your point. But, but, but this idea we say that one person's chuppah, mechavero, is, is, is how clear his lens is and perceiving Hashem's ichud, because again, Hashem is creating the world, so mankind can cleave to him and perceive his, his oneness. Right, let's just finish this paragraph really quick. You can only find this tov in Hashem. We read this already. Hashem's wisdom decreed. Hashem 
Hashem's wisdom decreed that the, 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 this goodness that he will be bestowing will only by giving man the, the conceptual space to be connected to Kodesh Baruch Hu, and to the degree that one could be connected and we discussed what that degree was, that limitation. On their own, we could not imagine Hashem Shlemus. So Kodesh Baruch Hu would give us himself, he would package it in a pill. He would say, here, take this, right? Then, then devoid of Kodesh Baruch Hu himself, you wouldn't be able to access his shlemis because Kosh shlemis exists by himself. It can't exist in something which is devoid of himself. However, he names that he's dab kabo, but bam, but by, by connecting to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, yagil him, then you can perceive his oneness because you're cleaving to him. But also, Ashir Shav Shalatayr, again, the same language, to the degree that you can imagine B'Shlema Sahu of his perfection. Again, there'll always be that limitation. That's um, fundamental. Mitzara Yosu is always Baruch from our connecting to him. Vim so Nenem B'Toiva Mitzahit, and we will find ourselves that we are um, taking pleasure from the true goodness, to the degree that one can have Hana, and you can count it. He, he's, he's made this diak five times, right? The degree that one can have Hana from Hashem, right? Because again, the veil has always got to be there to some degree. Therefore, Rebchal sums up, and he says, that um, the Kavana and 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 the Baruch Hu's Bria Levromishia and then a Betuvis Brach Shemay to create somebody that will be able to get the pleasure of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's goodness, but also a Derech in the framework or the way that he's able to have a Hana, which is by connecting to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Okay, so I will leave you with the following question, um, which is like this, and and I'll tell you we'll answer it next time that we learn. Um, if that's the case. If Akash Baruch created another being because he wanted to be mative, he wanted to be a giver, and he wanted to bestow the ultimate goodness, and the way he's going to do that is by allowing a created being to cleave to him and to perceive of his oneness and his goodness and enjoy that, that window of perception for eternity. Why are we not already there on cloud nine? What in the world are we doing down here on this earth? Right? What? Earning. We're earning it. So, good, that's going to have to be discussed. Why do we have to earn it, what's the myla in earning it, can't he just give it to us, right, when that just accomplished the purpose and creation, again, we're handling over here top-down design and the way Hashem runs the world, you know, tippy-top, he created the world out of altruism to give to man, so there, this earning thing seems to sneak its way in there somewhere and really facilitates the entire 6,000 years of Elam Hazet, right? Um, so it's going to have to be discussed a little bit why that was essential in the initial will Hashem had to give to man, why earning it was something which was part and parcel of the package, right? So that, that's what the Rimchal will speak about next week, and we'll speak of the idea of free will and, and, uh, and, and, and our, our, our role in earning it. Okay. Shkai Chavra. Beautiful. So-